on a ship shaped like a bumblebee. A squid-like monster with a bird's beak arrives. It's Gamera versus Virus. What an interesting, well, what a weird movie. Let's just say that, Alex. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, man. You remember a couple of movies ago, you know, Gamera's first movie, when one of my complaints was, you know, Gamera's going to die when he's launched into space. Yeah. Oh, well, I remember. I was now like, we well, get there's this more movie. movies. Yeah, right? <laughs> remember the days. Yeah, <laughs> where I yeah. thought Gamera would pass away in space. Yeah, and then uh, I made the point that there's more Gamera movies, so he probably doesn't die in space. But you know, that, you know, that may, there's something we could talk about there uh, here in just a minute. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Anyway, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We are the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcast Airwaves. And we are still trying our best to stay alive. How are you doing, Alex? Doing good. You know, I'm here. I've I've made it through our first stock footage camera movie, and I'm you know I'm still alive. You are still alive. <laughs> hey, we are trying our best to, to stay alive despite the stock footage. That's right. And uh, I, you know, we may not have be super excited about this film. We'll have to wait and see here, but. I am excited about our interview that we have coming up in this episode oh, yeah. with Josh Bagosh. I am uh, excited to hear his insight on the Gamera comic that him and Matt Frank created. Uh, yeah. But that's a little bit later on. We'll also hear his insight on Gamera versus Virus. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that. But I guess we should just go ahead and get our, our little introduction. Yeah, why don't you kick us off, man? All right, so, despite major financial difficulties at Dai Studios, Noriaki Yuasa still returned to direct the fourth installment of the Gamera Showa series, Gamera vs. Virus. Or Virus. His main problem... One of the two. Yeah, one of the <laughs> two, right? His main problem? Budget. With a budget less than half the size of Gamera vs. Gauss, Yuasa definitely relied on stock footage smaller contained sets, and a smaller cast. But despite the absence of financial stability, did you admire Yuasa's creativity? Or is the film just a liability? Ooh, well, all right, Alex. I think there's actually plenty of creativity here. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought, again, though, is coming off the Godzilla series, I'm always thinking about Godzilla still. Right. Um, but I think about its Godzilla counterpart. And the first film that comes to mind is All Monsters Attack. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. Now, this did come out a year before All Monsters Attack. Mm -hmm. But think about some of these similarities. We've got child protagonists in each. But it's not just the child protagonist. The situations that they find themselves in are similar, Mm -hmm. right? If you remember, Ishiro in All Monsters Attack also found himself in a situation where he had to use creativity to get himself out of that tricky situation. Yes. Here are two protagonists, uh, Jim and what was his <laughs> name? Masao? Masao. Masao. Jim and Masao, they have to get themselves out of their tricky situation in the Virus alien ship. Uh, and then, of course, there's the other obvious similarity of, of stock footage, mm-hmm. of course. And here, I'll actually give the edge and give some credit to All Monsters Attack because it used the, f- the stock footage at least a little bit more create- creatively than I think this film did. And I'll also say that All Monsters Attack was probably attempting at least to say something of substance where I don't think this film is really going for that. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I do think this film is actually aimed more towards kids than maybe even All Monsters Attack. But enough about All Monsters Attack. What do you think about the stock footage? (laughs) Well, that's not all about All Monsters Attack. So, you know, I was just looking into how much time was actually devoted to stock footage. And I found out that they actually, when they made All Monsters Attack, they looked at this movie and got the idea of Hmm. using the stock footage from this movie. So interesting. Now, who did it better? I guess that's up for other people to debate. But overall, 
my feelings on the stock footage are less than sour, as they usually are with stock footage. I mean, let's talk about the bad parts of the stock footage first. It sets up an eight-minute recap. After the movie's already started, <laughs> that is, the movie's already going. We've already got the inertia of the film behind us. And then here's this eight-minute recap that just shows footage from the previous movies, which is fine if they just did it briefly. But it goes on for eight minutes. Eric, it went on for so long that I had time to watch this. Realize how long this was actually going to last. Fast forward the remaining five minutes of the recap and literally miss nothing. (laughs) The remaining seven minutes of recap in the film, for a total of 15 minutes of recap, or uh, of not recap, but uh, stock footage, is odd and it flip-flops between good and bad so the decision to use black and white footage is baffling to me i mean all they did was slap like this light blue filter onto it and to try to make it look more modern i guess or hide the fact that it is black and white Mm -hmm. It, it was not a good decision i don't know why they thought that that would be okay now the color stuff actually works pretty well they reuse that awesome damn scene uh from mm-hmm. Uh, Barugat that I really liked. And they also reuse some other moments. One of my particular favorites is when the, uh, the tur- he's going through the city and then they, I guess they added the spaceship into it. They superimposed it or something. It looks pretty good. Actually, I'm, yeah. I was actually yeah. pretty impressed by that. And other than that, I mean, the, those little moments showing him just go across the globe and destroy things are, they're nice and all, but you know me, man, I, I don't like stock footage, especially to this extent. It's not quite unforgivable, but it's a huge mark against it. But again, I do like that they at least try to manipulate it a little bit. But no, please don't use stock footage like this. (laughs) Well, I'll say this about the stock footage. I think it actually works during the second larger portion of stock footage. That's where the aliens, they've taken control of Gamera. Uh, and they show the gamma destruction. Yeah, there's that's the part with the black and white. It looks weird. But my issue is not with it looking weird necessarily. My issue is, <laughs> well, I don't have an issue with that part because it kind of makes sense in the context of the story. My issue is earlier on when we get that recap because the recap shows Kojiro Hongo, right? Our main <laughs> actor in this movie. Yeah. As a different character, <laughs> right? His character from Gamera vs. Cows. That's an issue even for a kid's movie. Like the, the right. best kid's movies, they don't pander to kids or set low expectations for kids. They ignite kids' imagination. And I do have to give credit to you, Asa, for some of the decisions here as far as that creativity is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, the set within the spaceship is really creative, I thought, <laughs> with all the different lights um, that come on. Uh, it's really colorful for what they have to work with. Yeah, I think the kids here are actually humorous, despite being troublemakers. I don't hate them like many do, and I don't understand all the hate for the kids here. Um, you know, the kids, to me, are relatable from a kid's perspective. I think they would be relatable and cool. Theo would, would enjoy these kids. Yeah, uh, And then the aliens they encounter, they're pretty creepy too, both in their straight face, straight-laced demeanor, and in those glowing eyes when the when the lights turn dark. Yes. Did you like the kids, Alex? Yeah. Or did you and did you like these aliens? Yeah. So I think the kids really work. I'm right there with you. I didn't know that people dislike these these kids. I don't know why you would. They're pretty fun, and entertaining. <laughs> the only reason I could see it maybe is if uh, maybe you just wanted more gamma instead of the kids. <laughs> but yeah. I think their acting is solid. Their their dialogue between the two of them is actually decent too, and. The, mm-hmm. the uh the american kid they apparently they picked him up off a military base and he's got they didn't have to dub him so it works even better it's not off-putting mm-hmm. at all and the only thing i don't like about their interactions is that <laughs> frequently throughout the movie they have to describe what is about to happen next or yeah explain what they just did <laughs> in the film mm-hmm. which happens a lot and i know that's probably because it's a kid's movie but that seems like taking kids for granted in terms of their intelligence, which I don't think you actually have to do. Now, I do yeah. think that their dynamic really does work. I mean, it elevates this film because without these kids, I don't think this film is any good at all, really. They're mm-hmm. they're very different. They have very distinct personalities. 
And like you said, that they feel relatable. They're very, they're plausible. And I think the most interesting character, however, it, to me, is the scout leader who allows the children to go on a possibly damaged submarine all by themselves. <laughs> really, though, I think he is really interesting because despite being frustrated with both of them consistently throughout the film, it's clear that he also really cares. And more importantly, and this this <laughs> results in the, him saving their lives, essentially, is that he believes in them. And you could really see that come to fruition when they're in that ship and they're ready to sacrifice themselves. And he pretty much convinces them that you're smart enough to get out of this. Yeah. And he cheers them on and they get out of the ship. Yeah. I kind of overlooked that moment, to be honest with you. Um, Just kind of like, (laughs) I didn't think about it too much. But when you think about it, you're right. Like everyone else had kind of resigned to the fact that they were going to sacrifice the kids to save humanity. Yeah. He's like, guys, you're more creative than this. You know, like <laughs> you can get out of the situation. Yeah. That, that's true. That's true for sure. Um, I think this film also has a creative use of effects. Um, I don't think the effects are great. And, and I'll tell you some of my complaints. Um, I think the miniature work, it just doesn't compare to the last two films. Yeah. So I wasn't as impressed. Um, as I said, compared to those last two, but I, I understand why we have those limits here, right? With half the budget, you can only do so much. Yeah. But I do like the Virus monster. It's weird in a way that we haven't quite seen before. <laughs> you know, Showa Gamera, Alex, is quickly turning into the trippy uncle of the Godzilla franchise, and I am here for it, right? I mean, Virus really puts up a good fight and honestly gets close to taking down Gamera. Yeah, brutally. It's the, fir- it's the first, yeah, it's the first monster where Gamera doesn't necessarily have an advantage in the water, right? Uh, and yeah. it's also just a cool twist that, the virus monster isn't a captive of these virus aliens, but actually their controller. Yes. We kind of know that's probably going to be the case because we've seen these movies before, right? Or these types of movies uh, before. Yeah. But I think that could be an interesting twist, especially from a kid's perspective. Yeah. And that head explosion scene was <laughs> certainly a great reveal. Yeah. You don't expect him to remove five or six people's heads. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but I like what you said there, uh, in particular that we don't really know what's going to happen with this squid man that's in there. Cause you know, I, I know that virus is in this, I know what he looks like, but when mm-hmm. I'm watching the movie, I'm also like, well, how does he play into this? If he's a captive, does he just escape mm-hmm. and fight or what is it? And so the, the, I actually do like the twist that he's kind of the leader, even if it's kind of, it doesn't really feel, uh, serve the film for any real purpose, really. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I actually kind of liked it. Then there was some really interesting stuff going on, and and the battle—it's it, pretty grisly and brutal. I mean, Virus is like putting a gigantic hole in camera. Like I don't—I almost don't know how he's alive. But we've seen that he can take a beating. It doesn't seem like he has like one specific weakness, like weak spot. So it's kind of fun to watch him get pummeled over and over again because he seems a lot more susceptible to damage than Godzilla is, which I really do like about it. It makes it makes the yeah. battles a little more interesting, uh, but yeah. some of the battle I don't really understand. So, like towards the end of the battle, was Gamera surfing on Virus at one point? I would say I would say jet skiing. Jet yes. skiing, yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought so. You know, I was waiting for some like awesome seventies uh, or like sixties uh, wipeout <laughs> surfing music to come on, and then they hit the sand and he just completely wipes out and it. It's just really weird. Like the battles cut is fun. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense at times. Like the it doesn't make sense. Like the the final but it is comical. It is comical. And the final <laughs> blow is a little lame. Like he just disintegrates and the movie is kind of over. Like he Gamera has this awesome idea that Iron Man totally stole from Gamera. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> he, he goes up into the air and ices. Um, yeah, ice is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just drops him in the ocean, and I was waiting for him to come back. I thought he was going to drop him on land, and he was going to shatter into a bunch of pieces. Mm. But instead, he drops him in the ocean, and he's just gone. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, that's kind of like. And then the movie like really quickly wraps up. It does. So, it does. It was than, a pretty clever solution, though. Oh right? yeah, like yeah, it was. You think? All right, well, this is showing Gamera's intelligence here. Yes. Uh, so I did think it was a pretty clever solution because. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Gamera was 
stuck in a pretty hard place at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. It's true. It's true. Being but... impaled like that. That's that's rough. That's rough, man. <laughs> oh man yeah this is a wild movie and i I don't know what to think of it wild yeah for sure uh before we get into our interview uh, in case you missed it we're about a month into our new patreon account where we're releasing bonus content little minisodes about whatever's on our mind sometimes toku related and sometimes not Last week, we talked about the nuances between Ultraman and Ultra Q. Uh, We gave our first impressions of Ultraman Z, and I told a story about Theo's existential thoughts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This week, we've invited our two friends, Michael and Matt, to discuss our top five favorite OG Ultraman episodes. It's a blast, and you can get access to that content and all our other minisodes for just $2 a month over on patreon.com slash mvmpod. Yeah. We appreciate your support. If you can't if you can't support us, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Indeed. Let's bring on our guest, Josh. Okay. At this time, we are excited to welcome to the podcast Josh Bugash. Did I say that right, Josh? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, which hi, uh, <laughs> Bugash, but everyone just says Bugash. You know. Okay, Josh Bugash. And to be honest, Josh, we simply don't know a ton about you except that you know, along with Matt Frank. Uh, you wrote The Last Hope, a uh, the Gamera fan comic that's going to have the official release with the Arrow box set that's coming out soon. And Correct. you know, before we get into it, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit to our audience and to us. Sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, I cannot stay in the shadows, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm a lifelong Kaiju Tokusatsu fan, just like Matt and everyone else. Uh I think there's been more than one person on your show that said it, but I literally can't remember my first Godzilla movie. It's like <laughs> it's since birth. I have a good idea. It's probably Godzilla's Revenge, which I remember watching on a little six-inch black-and-white television and anticipating when it was going to come on, or Gigan. Uh, I can't uh. remember which. <laughs> but outside of that, um, I am a writer, but writing is not my day job. I'm a graphic designer uh, by trade. That's my day job. And then... Uh, I've always been interested in literature and writing. Uh, I studied it. It was actually my major in college. And uh, some of my stuff's actually out there. Um, Once I kind of got my first job as a graphic designer, which I'm glad because that lets me keep all my creative juices with my writing personal and not have to like burn out and writing stuff I'm not interested in. Yeah. But I'd submit stories and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't been focusing on my current name right now. I kind of just write pseudonymously however you say that I do <laughs> yeah. ghost writing, you know, on the side, make a few extra bucks, but, uh, I do have some short stories to submitted. Uh, there's some easings like the freedom fiction journal has a story of mine, uh, dead man's tomes, campfire tales, book one, uh, and a couple others. But, uh, so you can Google it. If you can Google my name, uh, some of my writing will come up in oh, the first cool. two That's pages. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I'm pretty much, uh, keep to myself, do my writing and, uh, been friends with Matt since before I met him in person. Uh, we used to post online on, uh, the monster zero forums, uh, which yeah. are still active. I haven't poked my head in there lately, but, uh, nice. we even embarrassingly, <laughs> uh, used to, uh, do dramatic role play in there. There was a sub forum for it. Uh, we were both on the same team, so we were kind of tight knit. And it wasn't until 2008, uh, my first G-Fest, that just so happened to coincidentally meet Matt at what was his first G-Fest. Uh, okay. Wow. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. cool. So, uh, and after that, you know, he's become tight-knit in our group. He's been down here uh, selling Dragon Con, and we'd see him and stuff like that, and I've been over there. So, And uh, wow. that's me, yeah. That's awesome. that's awesome, man. I'm impressed that you... Started off with Godzilla's Revenge and Gigan and, and stuck with it. That's <laughs> <laughs> Two of your least favorite movies. Yeah, I have yeah. to um, have some contestment uh, on your opinion of Gigan, which you know I may bring up every now and then throughout this episode. Um, yeah. As we know, Jack, uh, not a fan of it, but I herald it as... Actually, you will not believe it. Um, I do have you know their top list. I have a top five. And Gigan sits firmly number one spot. 
Really? You might question my taste as a Godzilla fan and kick me off this podcast right now. <laughs> no, no. Number one no. spot. 54 is <laughs> we, up we there, may too. Have, we may have but, to get some input into wow, that. Wow. No, that's yeah, awesome. I could, that's I could go on about Gigan. <laughs> Love that movie. Oh, well, that's cool. Let, let's talk. I want to hear more. We can get to that. I want to hear more about The Last Hope, right? This right, is the, right, yeah. the fan comic that you created that's going to be released with the box set, the Arrow box set that's coming out. So can you just give us a bit of background of how this project came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, it's mainly uh, Matt Franks, a uh, famous kaiju illustrator and comic artist uh it's his brainchild and uh we're already you know tight uh as of a few years ago when he came to me with this idea because uh he known <laughs> that i'm a writer uh i actually did some uh short film scripts with some filmmaking friends of mine and kind of cut my teeth on how to do screenplays there and matt had this great idea for uh gamma backstory and i'd never written a comic script before but uh, he said, well, let's uh, see if we can put our heads together. And basically he wanted, he envisioned, a, you know, a expanded telling of what Gamera's backstory is as yeah. seen in the movies, specifically the 90s trilogy, which you guys have yet to watch, I think. Um, yes. But you'll uh. be surprised that backstory is actually present in the first Gamera, which you did watch, you know, with a little stone tablet and all yes. that. So yeah. it, it goes back to the first movie, but he really wanted to explore it really get to like vividly see it because we never got this we never had a flashback or anything like that we've only had mention of his backstory so he really wanted to explore it and go into detail so uh he you know bumped heads on me he kind of had a clear idea of the bullet points of what he wanted to happen and he needed my help to chisel it out into specifics and we kind of bounced back and forth and uh, chiseled out these four main characters who I don't know. Have either of you read the, uh, or seen the uh, Japanese translated one that uh, is officially released? No, I've been, I've been holding out for the box set. Oh my God. So neither of you have cracked a page (laughs) on the last hope just yet. No, no. I I figure since I can't read it, (laughs) I'll hold off. (laughs) Well, we sold it at Dragon Con a year or two back, uh, but because we could only sell the Japanese translated version, uh, we included a copy of the script with it for people to buy it, but we quickly ran out of those. Um, I bet. That's cool. And there was an English version unofficially produced, but we couldn't, you know, distribute it. Um, but anyway, so y'all won't know what I mean when I say the four generals, but there are four main characters uh, if I have to keep stopping af- asking you questions, have either of you seen Gamma Three yet? I know. Yes, I, yes. I've seen the entire Heisei trilogy. Okay, so you know the the four cardinal directions and the guardians that yes. uh, is talked about in three. We kind of thought up the generals like that. There's a general of the north, the south, ah. and so forth. So we kind of carved out those characters and what their like motives were and stuff like that. And basically created this backstory where uh, they have to create something to rid themselves of a threatening force, I won't spoil it, that uh, (laughs) comes about because of their consumption of mana, which if you see the trilogy, you know, that's a whole big thing. And one thing leads to another, and then they have to create Gamera to, you know, clean up their mess. So we basically carved out these specifics. And uh, once we had that, Matt also kind of, you know, imparted to me uh, what he wanted it to look like visually. He kind of had like, you know, a certain style that he wanted like this ancient civilization to look like, which, you know, is your, you know, future ancient tech, you know, type of thing. Uh, But he kind of was, you know, pretty had a good idea in that. But just to give me something to launch on. And then after that, I just went back and wrote the script on my computer and it really wasn't that much different than writing a film script, except the format's different. And, huh. you know, I've basically got to be like, what do I want to see that looks cool? Right. And so I describe, you know, the specific scenes to let Matt do his stuff. And that's how it went. We bounced back and forth. And, uh, Matt also had uh, another fellow named Goncalo to do the shading. Uh, and so three of us kind of, networked had a dropbox folder that we shared until like you know everything was done that's awesome yeah that is basically what i'm thinking 
that, I, that I'm hearing here is now that The Last Hope is released with the Arrow box set, I'm considering it canon. That, that's I'm doing it, Alex. I, I think we can consider it canon now. I've Googled, you know, occasionally, you know, <laughs> Google The Last Hope or something like that. And there's a fan wiki that says that Katakawa considers it canon. And I don't that's know, I, I don't awesome. know the truth of that. Uh, I mean, they do officially recognize it, obviously, since it's, you know, being packaged as a thing. I don't know if they consider it canon, but hey, it might as well be. It might as well be. Yeah. That's so cool. I, you know, I, I think, you know, you said you listened to our first uh, Gamera episode. I think yeah. I mentioned to Eric that I would love the backstory explored more because this seems like it hints to something. And so it's cool that someone actually ran with that. <laughs> yep. Now you get it. Hey, That's and awesome. you know. God willing, they make a movie out of it. That That'd would be, be cool. rad. That would be rad. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were were you at all familiar <laughs> with the uh, Dark Horse Gamera series that they did for a while there? And did did any of that factor into your work that you did for Last Hope? Actually, I wasn't. Uh, you know, as a kid, I read the, the Dark Horse Godzilla comics uh, where I could find them. I'm not even sure if I knew the Gamera one existed at the time. It was only yeah. later that I knew, like, oh, they did a Gamera one, but I could never get my hands on it. So I've never read it until, you know, they packaged it previously with a Japanese translation of The Last Hope. Uh, so that oh. wasn't really an influence. Mainly my influence was, well, Matt's work, um, you know, because obviously being his friend and seeing all his stuff, and he has the IDW comics, I read all of his stuff, so I kind of knew what to live up to, so... That was yeah. mainly my inspiration. Uh, and also literature itself. Uh, big fan of like, epic poetry, specifically the, the Indian epic, the Mahabharata, was kind of the inspiration for the narration, which actually Matt had a point to kind of make it feel like, like a fable, like right. an mm-hmm. epic poem, and just kind of you know have this great epic tale told. So I kind of used that as a reference because I'm a big fan of that. Uh, poem and I may have failed at recreating, you know, its qualities, but I tried. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've heard that the Heisei trilogy also has kind of a spiritual element to them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm really interested to to see that trilogy and to read this comic. Yeah, you'll love if you will love the trilogy because if you're slogging through the show of Gamera movies right now, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, uh, I might tick off a few people too. I'm not, I don't hold them in the highest regard as a kid. As a kid, I only saw Gauss and Barragon, uh, and the Gamera movies, the show of Gamera movies for me as a kid were just kind of like the side curiosity. Like even as a kid, I could recognize there wasn't as much care and craft into the special effects. They, you know, I could tell it, this isn't Godzilla. They don't have the quality, but you know, they're just right. kind of side things. I liked Gauss as an adult. I love Barragon actually. Um, actually in your show, you said, you know, you kind of like it because it, it feels like, uh, to reuse that word, a fable, it's like a morality tale. And that's how I really dug it as I rewatched it as an adult. But, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some, they're kind of clunky movies, but it was the nineties where Gamma really soared. So you're, you're in for a treat. And then, yeah, I, we definitely tried to, uh tap into the the spiritual aspect with the prequel comic yeah um were you surprised that the last hope was receiving this upcoming release with arrow yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> you know matt was kind of keeping it uh close to his chest but you know he told me and uh i honestly probably deep down was kind of expecting it eventually in due time oh. but uh i didn't know it'd be this quick uh, so I'm just tickled that, uh, you know, there's going to be a DVD box set with my name on the back, uh, liner notes and the whole comic in there. It's great. I'm going to buy as many copies as I can. Oh yeah. Nice. I, I, yeah. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really happy for you. I mean, this must be a dream come true almost. Yeah. In a way. I mean, uh, it's not the first time my name has been out there, but it's probably the most prolific and it's attached to officially uh, one of my childhood, you know, monster movie, you know, heroes. Yeah. So that's freaking yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Any, anything else about the box set that, that you could tell us about that we should be looking forward to? Well, I don't know a whole lot and I haven't been uh, following news a lot, but uh, Matt is doing uh, commentary tracks uh, for some of the films on there. I know he had posted an update about recording a track for Guardian of the Universe. 
uh, and uh, his art is going to be on the box set too. He's doing cover art for every single movie. So uh, the same art style that you see in the last hope is going to be front and center on the presentation of all, all the gamma movies. I was going to say all and a number, but I actually don't know how many gamma movies there are. I stopped counting how many Godzilla movies there are, honestly. Yeah, you can't keep track. Ago. There's so many. Well, it's that. hard to keep track now because, uh, you know, back in the Heisei era, once a uh, 98 movie came out, we'd all be like, okay, there are 22 Godzilla movies because the Geno doesn't count. You know, the Matthew Broderick <laughs> one doesn't count. But then 2014 came out, and we all liked it. And we're like, oh, well, we kind of got to count that. So it's like, well, right. if we count that, we have to count Gino then, because Toho does. And it's like, oh, I'm confused now. I don't even know. So I don't even know how many gamer movies there are. I haven't counted that. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, we're, we're getting ready to get into the movie. Gamera oh, versus yeah. uh, Virus or Virus. Uh, I think me and Eric are still debating on how to say it. I say um, it. As, I think they, they don't say it outright in the movie, but they say their race, which is Virians or something like that. It's not yeah. literally supposed to be a virus. He's not a virus. And maybe it's kind of probably better <laughs> that we don't say the word virus right now. That's <laughs> probably a good point. Yeah. But I do want to know, how, how do you feel about that movie? Just just your general feelings. We'll get more into it as we go on. I kind of love it. And it's one of those weird movies that, you know, it's every bit as flawed and clunky as all the other Showa Gamera movies. But for some reason... Maybe I was in the right frame of mind when I first watched it. It just clicks. Uh, and it definitely has its flaws about midway through, but it has a really strong beginning, and it's like rocketed it up to near the top of my rankings. I, I adore this movie. because <laughs> I had to be on this episode for this particular movie. Matt even knows. Matt bought me a, a Viras uh, figure or gave me one, you know, because oh. he knew I love this movie so much. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. <laughs> that is cool. So I guess that brings us into our awards, Eric. Uh, And as always, Alex, you need to start with our coolest (laughs) character award. Who do you have for our coolest character? Yeah, so I I picked the Scoutmaster. You know, you you think he's annoyed with these kids. And the reason I think he's the coolest is because, yeah, he is annoyed with them, but he also really cares about them. And he really believes in them. And you really see that come to fruition where on that ship and they're ready to sacrifice themselves. And he's like, pretty, he's pretty much calls them up. He's like, guys, you're smart. You're, you're both really smart. You can get out of this. And they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> and so I just like that the Scoutmaster just believes in these kids so much that he knows that they can escape an alien ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, the they're the troublemakers. Yeah. yeah, they oh, are they're troublemakers. troublemakers. They're so fun. For sure. <laughs> but speaking of that alien ship, Alex, my coolest character was actually that Bumblebee space station alien ship. <laughs> right? Such a coolest this thing, character. This thing, it is. It has a mind of its own. It manifests people's desires to an extent, right? Uh, but I, I also just think, there is sort of this weird personality to this set that they're on. You know, it has those yeah. interesting colors that look like a kaleidoscope, you know, when the uh-huh. alien voiceover is talking. Uh, it does manifest the kids' desires. Uh, it, it's the home to these weird aliens that have arms that separate out of their bodies. I mean, it's a pretty <laughs> cool character if we characterize it in that sort of way. Right. You know, I never really thought of it. I just had an epiphany. Uh, I know the inspiration in Final Wars was the Auxilians and, you know, how they had telepathy, but yeah. their ship and this ship are really kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. It could be. It's Final Wars fair. ripped off this movie. I believe it probably did. <laughs> Knowing uh, Kitamura, it probably did. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Who was your coolest character? Oh, oh, my coolest character is absolutely Jim. He's just <laughs> the coolest little dude ever. Yeah. <laughs> got a freaking lasso and he's you know raising trouble with his friend and his hat gets stuck and he's like i got it and he swings his lasso and he's just like very stoic and awesome for a freaking mm-hmm. eight-year-old he's he's cool yeah. he, he's so yeah. accurate too i mean every time he throws that lasso he hits his target i know it's amazing he probably practiced <laughs> Man, for like 50 hours when he lassos i i had to i had to rewind it about 10 times when he lassos the alien's arm Oh, just yeah. to see how that was done. 
Because it looks like the alien reaches back and catches it without looking. Well, it's probably reverse. I know that the when he lasses a hat, it's definitely reverse photography. Uh, I don't yeah. recall the arm shot yeah, by the, memory, but I'm probably the arm. The arm looks like he reaches back and catches it almost. It does, but it's it is reverse. <laughs> it's just it, it really it looks weird. <laughs> you know, when you're that good with lassoing, it's gonna look weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's superhuman. <laughs> Which I have a funny another reason Jim's my favorite character. If I may go on a slight tangent, of course, sure. Is I have a head cannon that uh, have either of you seen the Toho movie uh, War in Space? I have not. We're I've been saving it, okay, but not, I, I think I know where you're going with it. Yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with Battle on Outer Space, the Shura Honda uh, magnum opus, which actually I'm not a big fan of. Oh, um, it's very good. The special effects are astounding, but it's kind of a boring movie. Um, uh, War in Space is a very flawed Jun Fukuda Fikou, uh, movie. I love Jun Fukuda. It's so fun. Um, but there's in the beginning moments, uh, we're getting introduced to the characters and everyone runs around and there's a couple scenes where people are talking to each other and they go, well, where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? <laughs> and I watched it with a group of friends and we're all looking at each other like, who's Jimmy? And it goes on like that for like several scenes. They keep referencing Jimmy. And I was like, who the hell's Jimmy? And eventually, uh, and this is a whole movie. It's an independent state <laughs> setup, you know, battling aliens are invading. All of a sudden we cut to a scene of this dude, this white dude in a fighter jet, no music, just a very intense scene. And he's like in a dogfight with UFOs and there's no dialogue. He's just dodging. And we're all nudging each other. We're like, hey, I bet that's Jimmy. And we're just watching. <laughs> and he's dodging and fighting. And eventually he ejects, pops out of the seat, and his plane blows up. I can't remember if he manages to, like, off the UFOs that are chasing him. But he lands on this, like, rocky slope next to water and runs up. And, like, things are shooting at him. And he gets his harrowing yeah. escape. Next scene, it's him walking into a base with all the other characters. And they're like... Hey, Jimmy! And we're like, yes! Yes! And since I saw Viras, I'm like, that's Jim. He had yeah. to deal with aliens, and he grew up, and he became a badass. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I like that. I like, I like that. Uh, Josh, what was your most memorable line award from this film? Uh, also involving Jimmy. Um, it's when they're chained up against the wall, and he sees them taking something into the inner chamber and he's like, Oh, it must be food. And Jim like kind of like cringes and he's like, Oh food. I wished I'd eaten more of those sandwiches earlier. And Masao, <laughs> his friend goes, oh, I wish you hadn't said that. Yeah. <laughs> and it just felt almost too clever for, for this movie. It was just like such a perfect delivery for that yes. line. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was so good that that was actually the line I had picked. Oh, <laughs> so, sorry to out. Yeah. So, so I, I that line, it was just such a standout. I actually watched it a couple of times because it's, it, you're right. It just feels almost out of place because it's so good. Well, you, you know, know? The, um, see, I haven't done my research for this episode, but I believe this may have been done by uh, AIP, the same people that dubbed Destroy All Monsters and a lot of the 60s Godzilla movies. Ah. Correct me hmm. if I'm wrong. Um, but they typically, you know, had good writing, had good actors and stuff like that. D- their dubs are never really bad. That's why I never feel bad about watching a dub by them, you know, anything from the 60s. It was only like in the 70s and onwards when like they didn't produce a dub. They just used the Hong Kong dub uh-huh. that's meant for international distribution to shop for rights and not meant to be screened. Um, <laughs> that the dubs kind of get kind of crappy. But uh, yeah. in that case... Because when they distributed the picture, too, it wasn't called Gamera vs. Beerus. It was called Destroy All Planets, which is a really right. awful title. Um, <laughs> but So they had talent behind there, and I guess it shows in that line. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I watched the sub, and it was the same It was yep, the same, it was the same oh, okay. sub. Well, so, I wonder, um, and I laughed the, at the uh, sub, too. So. The Shout Factory DVD? Or, or, uh, what I did was the... Sick? I watched the uh, Mill Creek. Mill Creek, yeah. That's yeah, name. and it was the exact same as the... Uh, Interesting. As the W watch. But speaking of the kids, I thought the kids were great too throughout, honestly. And, and my most memorable line, it came from Jim as well. But it's right after they see one of the aliens step onto one of their, you know, hallway platforms and fly away. 
And they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. And they go to try it. (laughs) (laughs) Jim steps on the platform, jumps, and just falls down, right? And he says, I I guess it doesn't work for kids. They make all the good stuff for grownups, right? Yeah, I kind of love that part. Yeah. It's it's just such – it's so relatable, right? Like, of course, they make all the good stuff for grownups. From a kid's perspective, I think that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. why can't I drive and drink and smoke? <laughs> yes, exactly. Or fly. Or fly. Yeah, because yeah, all adults can fly. Yeah. Alex, uh, what about you, man? Uh, uh, my line that I had with uh, Josh, I mean, it was, again, it was so good. I couldn't even think of another one. That's right. No, that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, so well, what about uh, your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, You know, mine's got to be Gamera. Nope. You know, he, he really put his passion into this role. Like... <laughs> Actually, I'll have to agree with that. That was one of my takeaways when I first watched it. You could, you, you could actually, you know, you could actually kind of tell that he cared. About, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. You could actually kind of tell he kind of cared about the kids, and you know, he's willing to kill uh, hundreds of people just to keep these, or even, probably even like hundreds of kids just to keep these two kids safe uh, when he gets mind controlled. Boy, some you know, kind of he, children. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just see the passion. Uh, behind yeah. his eyes that he cares about these children and also he surfs on vi- on virus or virus for a while yeah. and the, during the final battle which is just bizarre and you know why wouldn't you get the can't believe you're acting award if you surf on somebody yeah it's true <laughs> eat your heart out tom cruise that's right what about you josh uh me uh had to be jim's mother Without a doubt. For the one line she has, the one scene she has, I felt her pain and anguish when she was told her son's ready to sacrifice himself for the fate of humanity. Just, oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Which, uh, I uh, have not seen the, the subtitled version. I don't know if, if her voice is dubbed or if that's the actual American actress's voice, but... Man, is it oh, golden. the subtitle version is exactly the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> nice, Jim, Jim, Jim. Oh, Jim. Jim. oh, Jim, oh, Jim, Jim. <laughs> Which I mean, it's actually kind of hard hitting because a mother's just been told her eight year old kid, you know, is willing to <laughs> sacrifice. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, uh, it actually I mean, was heavy. <laughs> I really didn't expect those kids. But yeah, okay, we can. Ex- we yeah. you can blow us up. I was like, what? <laughs> Uh, what about you eric yeah my can't believe the acting award it goes to the human form of the aliens here you know that entire crew just they're they're floating into the room effects how awesome were they really (laughs) like they just seem to kind of pop in (laughs) yeah to the room they all had those blank stares and then the lights come off and they all have those creepy eyes i it, it creeped me out a little bit, so I had to go with the whole crew of Virus aliens there. Yeah, I, I, I like that the effect of them coming out of the floating hallway is pretty much them just like running and jumping and hitting like the closest pull up bar, and then yeah. <laughs> swinging yeah. themselves into the room. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. it. I do too. I actually really mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Josh, mm-hmm. next award is the standout effect award. What do you have for it? Well, it's funny that you're talking about the conveyor belt thing or whatever the heck they did for that uh, aliens floating down the thing because that was my standout effect award. Yeah, nice. This movie is not a movie full of... A, uh, the spaceship is really cool. Yeah, uh, right. I can't count all the stock footage because that's from other movies. Uh, <laughs> most of the movie is the two kids wandering around the spaceship. So, yes, uh, yeah. and most of the special effects are clunky, but that's one effect that did stand out to me. Cause I think the first time I watched it, I might've been sleepy too. And I just see this dude shoot out of a corridor and land on his feet. And I kind of like had to shake myself awake and I'm like, well, what happened? Yeah. And every time that it happens, I kind of have to stare at it. I'm like, that's kind of neat. Cause I can't see a wire. I can't see the platform right. they're supposedly jumping on. It's just kind of a neat way to convey that they have this way of floating down these hallways. It was kind of cool. 
Yeah, it it is cool. And what's even cooler is that when they land, they've got like a gymnast landing where they right. they don't they don't wobble at all. They they just hit the ground and then they just keep walking, which I really like. Well, they're used to it. This is an everyday thing for them. <laughs> That's right. They get some serious <laughs> lower body strength. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what about you, Eric? I didn't think the effects were great <laughs> in this film. Yeah, but I did think they were surprising. Um, and what I'm actually going to go with is in the final battle, that Virus head stab, you know, yeah, <laughs> that was just a gruesome effect. We're talking about standout effect here. That that head stab of Gamera's underbelly over and over <laughs> and Gamera's head just popping out and legs just popping out. Time and time again. <laughs> you can't help but just have that image ingrained in your mind. It's going to haunt my nightmares tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if I were a little kid, the target audience and saw that, it would probably be pretty traumatizing. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, either that or everyone getting their heads lopped off at that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was almost going to be my standout effect award or like I can't believe that shot award or something because that definitely stuck with me. Yeah. Sure. Alex, yeah, it's very cool. Um, mine actually is it's pretty simple effect, but the glowing eyes of the alien crew. I really like the way they did that. You know, they backlit them. They made sure that the, the you only see the silhouettes, and then you just see those <laughs> those eyes that blink whenever they're talking. Really, I just I really liked it, and it was kind of it was almost like a little unsettling when that happens. So if you can unsettle me, especially in a budget, in a movie like this, you, <laughs> you're going to get an award. Yeah, no, I I almost went with that actually, Alex. So I thought it was good too. What about your oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, mine's actually really early on where Gamera, uh, he encounters the first ship that comes. Uh, ship number one, I believe it's called. <laughs> Something like that. Really technical names of these ships. This is ship number one. I have that, <laughs> yeah. that foreboding voice. And I yeah. like that ship number two comes by <laughs> later on. Like that, I, Whatever. Okay, anyway. So they, <laughs> I like that Gamera smashes his head into that alien ship and then inserts inserts it inside and just starts breathing fire everywhere i think it's really cool and it's like it really does make him feel like this galactic defender even though it's completely unearned i mean we have had (laughs) we've had three movies now where he doesn't defend anything he just kind of passes by or is lured somewhere and then suddenly he's this friend of children yeah yeah, i know he saved one kid in that first movie but he hadn't (laughs) done anything since (laughs) save the kid and and gamma versus gals you know Um, that's right that's right he catches them that's right yeah so i don't buy that he's a galactic defender but this scene kind of moved me towards it (laughs) this this is this is where he transitions into space galactic defender alex right that's it yeah Uh, what about you my oh, that's a good shot award. I mean, besides the stock footage from Godzilla versus Baragon, uh, there's there's a shot <laughs> towards the end of the film that showcases the size of the monsters, and and it doesn't happen in this film too much, which is a shame. But it did happen in the last two. But we get that scene where Gamera is thrown across the screen by Virus, and uh-huh. in the foreground, there's a bridge and a few other small items, and then in the background. We have that one building. I think it's the lab that's on the beach there. Um, So we have that foreground, the middle battle scene, and the background, which finally creates that sense of scale that we need to make these monsters believable. Unfortunately, there wasn't much of that. And so I think there were two shots like that. And so that had to be one of one of those two shots had to be my, oh, that's a good shot award. I gotcha. Josh, what'd you have, man? Oh. Well, admittedly, that that was a really good one because that would have been one of the ones I picked because it's it stands out because, like you said, there's yeah. not many shots of that beach. Uh, but for me, like the one that jumped out at me, there's a scene when Gamera's doing his uh, rampaging when he's on mind control, and he's flying over like the city street, and I don't know for sure, but it might have been stock footage from a previous Gamera movie. Maybe Baragon Gauss. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. So I think it's Baragon. This kind of almost doesn't count because they're using a previous movie's special effects, but they superimposed, they, they, they composited in the Virian spaceship flying next to him. And it's just a really impressive shot. It's very grand. 
and it feels kind of epic and kind of like a money shot, probably the most money shot shot that this whole movie has. And I'm just like, that's cool. So that's my yeah. standout shot. Well, it's, it's, it's also cool. I, I, I like that the bumblebee ship <laughs> spins yeah. and yeah. Gamera spins. spins. Right. And so both of them spinning across you. Right. That That's definitely a money shot. I like that as well. Yeah, It looks really good. I mean, I'm I'm like you. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier in our episode, actually, that I think it is a stock footage scene. And the fact that that thing looks like it belongs there, that's, right. from, that's impressive. Yeah, for sure. All right, Josh, we're moving into our rating and ranking section of the podcast. Um, if you feel so inclined, we'd like for you to rate this movie out of five and tell us where does it fall within your ranking of the Gamera series, uh, specifically the Showa era. Showa era of the Gamera series. Uh, specifically the Showa era. Okay. Uh, I have ashamedly, being a guy that wrote the Gamera comic, I have not seen every single Gamera movie. I'm missing a couple from the Showa era. I've seen all the ones after. I haven't seen Gamera versus Jiger, Zegra, or the very malign Gamera super monster. Outside uh. those, um, I really liked Baragon. I really liked Gauss. Those are very good. I didn't like Guron, your next episode. I'm not a big Oof. fan of that. However, Virus is all the way on top of those. Um, I give this one a 3 out of 5, just because despite it being really flawed, it's just it's got this spirit of adventure. It's super fun. The two main kids are super likable, and it's like right out the gate, it just starts with them you know, causing trouble, and then getting called back, and then getting to mess with a submarine and then Gamera shows up and then an alien shows up. It's like the best day ever if you're a kid. Um, but it only starts to slide during that giant slog of a stock footage scene. But after that, it still has a few ups. So I rank it pretty highly three out of five uh, for the whole series. It's pretty much right below Gamera two and three from the Heisei series. And it's right above surprisingly guardian universe from the Heisei wow. series, even though that's a, much better movie, uh, and Gamera the Brave. Um, I just love it so much. That's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. I, I am not going to rank it that high. I'm sorry <laughs> to say, Josh. That's fine. It is a very flawed movie. Sometimes we have but, those movies that, despite everything we know about good filmmaking, we just love it anyway. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. happens to me yeah, a lot. Exactly. No, that's totally cool. For me, uh, this is the film that finally caught up to that Showa era Gamera expectation that everyone's been talking about. <laughs> right. Um, but a couple positives here. I don't mind the, ch the children as much as I think many fans do. I think they actually do their job and they do it well. Sure. Like their negligence and ignorance at times causes hardship throughout the movie, <laughs> but at least they are brave in the face of death. And then you've got the Virus monster. As opposed from the Virus people and the Virus mother star. <laughs> but the Virus monster has this unique design. The tentacles, the beak, the head impaler. It's all cool. The <laughs> effects. I wouldn't say that they're impressive. But I would say that they are interesting. You know, heads flying, arms severing, turtles impaling. That's pretty neat. <laughs> but, but the negatives. The stock footage. It is cumbersome. And I understand it. You know, the budget has been cut in half. But... There's just some of the cases of the stock footage that don't work for me, as I've mentioned before. Uh, and as I said, there's, there's, there wasn't enough uh, of that contrasting of size to really make these monsters believable, except for one or two shots. And then, as you said, Josh, virus, it sounds a lot like virus, which sounds like coronavirus. And I don't need any more subtle reminders of 2020. Yeah, exactly. So for me, this is a two out of five and it falls at the bottom of my show era list so far. Um, but wow. again, I had a super fun time watching it. So I, I'm not that down on it. It's just, if I'm looking at it from a more, my best at being objective, I'll, I'll say a two out of five. <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair, it, yeah. Okay, so I, I'm actually really conflicted on this one. And even as we've been talking about it, I'm really going back and forth on how much or how little I like this one. On one hand, I really like the kids and their story. And they, without the kids, this movie is just not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on, on the other hand, 
I have strong feelings about the use of stock footage, just in general, especially with something like All Monsters Attack, which this movie actually inspired. I don't like the, the extensive views, especially when they drop that eight minutes of us just watching previous yeah. movies in a row. It, it's almost unforgivable for me. But I do like how the remaining seven minutes of stock footage is creatively used, even if it is black and white and they just throw a blue filter on it to make it look like, eh, maybe it's not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is a little egregious, but and the film is maybe a little too long because of the eight minutes of stock footage that we have to sit through to recap the previous movies. But Virus is interesting, and the battle that they have is interesting, and the kids are just a blast the whole time. I'm having a great time. Even even though adults let them drive a potentially damaged submarine <laughs> in the water. <laughs> Yeah, like that would ever happen in real life. <laughs> right, right. Like, even though they do that, I really like them. And then the added depth of the, the uh, Scoutmaster character I, was a nice little surprise for me. And so with all these like weird elements for it, it's, it's kind of low for me, even though I really enjoyed it. But I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5, which, uh-huh. but I'm actually going to rank it higher than the original camera. Because this was way more fun for me than that. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that, Alex. I feel that. Well, Josh, where where can people find you online? What's what's in store for you this upcoming year? Do you have any creative projects? Oh well, um, it's actually funny. I'm kind of a hermit online, uh, which is probably <laughs> really bad for a no, writer. It's uh, really good for your yeah, mental health, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been excellent for my mental health mostly. Um, but bad for a writer, but like I said, I've been kind of working on like ghostwriting paid projects. Um, so, uh, if you want to find me besides Googling my name and looking up the stories of mine that are published, um, you can check out my old, uh, DeviantArt. Um, cause on there, uh, I kind of posted some of my early graphic stuff. I, I looked at it recently, nothing to write home about, but I also posted some stories. Um, cool. one that the rights reverted to me, I posted for free couple others i just posted for the heck of it a couple of them are kaiju and tokusatsu related tangentially there so they might be of interest to listeners so check it out uh the username is mondo boss uh all one word um but it's also under my name josh bagash you can check that out uh but besides that i kind of keep my head down um on the internet sphere but uh if anyone wants to contact me they're free to email me uh my email is uh agent underscore leads l-e-e-d-s at yahoo.com all right fantastic and uh oh yeah as far as creative pursuits like i said i'm working on paid stuff lately but you know when i had downtime i wrote a story uh that just to write it i haven't been shopping stuff around lately but this one i just wanted to write it and maybe do something with it set it aside picked it back up a month later when it was fresh and read it and i'm like this is boring as a short story because it all takes place in one setting. Yeah. But it'd be really interesting as a play. Uh, if nice. they had the right actors and stuff like that, I could see it being engaging. So yeah. I'm kind That's of cool. up in arms what to do about it because like you know, I know people that have been involved in plays. I have no idea how to shop around a, a, a play to be produced. But uh, So if anyone knows about how to do that, feel free to email me. But yeah, so it's a story. It's uh, about UFO conspiracies. It all takes place in a bar, so it might be an interesting play. That's kind of my big Josh Bugash title, besides The Last Hope that's That's going on right now. I actually do another podcast about UFOs and stuff like that. Oh, (laughs) sweet. Oh, dude, shoot me a link. I'll have to listen to that later. (laughs) Sure thing, man. Oh, it, that reminds me of, and this we'll we'll finish up here. But that reminds me of The Vast of Night. Have you have you checked that out yet? God, no. That sounds very familiar. That's a movie. Is that a Netflix movie? It's it's actually on Amazon Prime, but it's like an old. It feels like an old radio drama, UFO conspiracy type of of drama. You 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 would dig Ooh, it, I think. So check that out. <laughs> the vast of the night. But before we end here, Josh, uh, do you have a rhyme for us for next week? Oh oh yes, I almost forgot. Um, oh, I, I did do. too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your rhymes are usually in the form of a question, right? Mine isn't. That's okay. They don't have uh, to. Okay, yeah. yeah. So your next movie is Gamer versus Guron, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So my rhyme for that. <clears throat> Noriaki Yuasa laid down the bed and dreamed of a monster with a knife for a head. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
Alex, do you have yours or do you yeah, need some time? I, I, just, I got it. I made it up. We're good. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, next week we got Gamer versus Giron. After we finish, will we feel, feel like <laughs> Murons? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, weesh. All right. Mine is when Gamera battles a shark with a blade on its head, does he cause fishy bloodshed or end up on his own deathbed? Oh, okay. I think I won that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the neurons really just took it over the top, Alex, for sure. Well, for sure. when we talk about Giron, the neuron is firing. Uh huh. Oh wow. yeah. <laughs> it's just As one. Always, you, yeah, just one. As always, just Godspeed, y'all, through that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's largely pretty much the same as the movie we just watched. Oh. Literally, it's, it's two kids going on an adventure, and everyone loves Guron. It's like a cult classic, but for some reason, I couldn't get into it. So, I'd be uh, interested to see what y'all think of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. things I'm online. That's for, for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, Josh, once again, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to come on. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod on Letterboxd where Eric Neely and Alex Cornett. You can send us an email at MVMPod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at MVMPod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash MVMPod and receive regular bonus content. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try try to to stay stay alive. alive. I thought you were actually going to leave me hanging because I was like, I think you'd you'd finish. Oh, but uh, yeah, see y'all. Dude, I forgot to hit record. No, you didn't. Kidding. <laughs>